Today on The Breakdown, five players remain in the WPT Montreal main event. And these aren't just any players. This is actually a stacked Final Five, including Sir Watts, Kristen Bicknell, and Joseph Chung. How in the world do all three of them make the top five? By the way, Martin Jacobson went out sixth. And this is a hand between two of those three players, Kristen Bicknell and Joseph Chung. It's blind versus blind. And, I mean, these guys are high level, and a high level hand gets played. And all I'm going to say is watch out. You can level yourself if you're not careful, dot, dot, dot. We're going to get into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Joseph Chong to have ever made any catastrophic mistakes deep in, in a final table where it like cost him a lot of money or anything. I've never heard of anything like wait that. Wait a second. Wait a second. I can think of one. Okay. What was it that? It was a win $200 buy-in. Okay. There were four players left and he made what I thought was a bit of a marginal call with Jax. Yeah. There were 40 blinds deep. It cost him like $148 in EV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wait. Joseph Chong. No, I remember one other one, actually. Yeah. World Series Poker Main Event. Yeah, yeah, yeah where yeah. he six-bet all in with A7. A7. Yeah. Jonathan Duhamel, who became the champion of Had World Series Queens. Poker. Joseph, Joseph put in so many chips. <laughs> <laughs> put in like 83 million yeah. chips uh, when Reisner had 30 blinds. I mean, whatever. Reisner still could, could have, you know. But like, Wow. What a play. I kind of love Joseph Chong for doing that, though. Me too. What like, a guy. Like Thank people, you, Joseph. People look at him. And I, I think people who are not like maybe savvy or experienced tournament, like serious dudes, like look at that and are like, what are you doing? What a blow up, blah, blah, blah. But like, I think people like us are like, I want to be like that one day. <laughs> I want to be three left of the main event and like have the, have the, the cojones to make that play. I just want it to work. You know, that's the only other thing I want, you know? The interesting thing about Joseph Chong is that was like, what, 2011, 2010, one of those years, something like that? Yeah, something like that. A lot of the guys from that era who were like also successful in the EPT did a lot of that type of stuff, like the six bets. At least he had a blocker. Like there's a lot of yeah. random six betting on the EPT, and a lot of those guys were considered good players. Joseph Chong could have been grouped in with those players. Yeah. But he's continually successful. So there's something different about Joseph Chong. He's not just the aggro button and that's it. Like he won the double stack this year at the World Series of Poker. That's a 4,500 player field. Yeah. Like he's seriously still very good. He made a WPT final table a number of years ago where he made a play that I was really impressed by and thought like took just a lot of maturity to do. Or he just actually folded a sense to preflop without putting a chip in. But it was a spot where I think almost everyone goes bust with that hand. And he actually read the tea leaves well enough to get away from right. it right away. And it was, it was cool. And he did it easily. And uh, the fact that he's here again in the final five feels like really just backing up what you're talking about, that he's, he's kind of the real deal. Yeah, he's like... He may not be the best player in the world, but he's really, really good. But it's a and scary it's, guy to play against, a guy who like clearly based on his continually good resume is competent and good at all phases of the game in tournament poker, yet mm-hmm. is capable of a six-bet bluff all in. Like, terrifying. Yeah. yeah, and I don't even know if he really is capable of that anymore, meaning he Maybe. may have learned not to do that, but... The fact that that happened and it's probably the, the most famous six bet bluff in the history of the world right? yeah. uh, means that he probably still gets some calls some all, from all in preflop plays or just all in moves that um, that other people wouldn't get because of that. You know what I mean? People right. like, still are like, OK, he just five bet me all in. But like it's Joseph Chung. So I have to call with two tens here, you know, yeah. or like against the rest of the world. You fold two tens in that spot potentially. Right. Like you even four bet him to, to induce the five bet. And he's like, yeah, I never I always have it now. 
because right. of that one hand that one time, which cost me, by the way, like $7 million. <laughs> but anyway. I wonder if he still hurts from that. I would think so. I would think he still... Abs- I mean, can you imagine, even if you're Joseph Chong, even if you won like millions of dollars, I would think the pain from that one would stick with you for... Like, you'd have to really be second. I would second guess myself for years, I think, on that one. You, you know, must be really hard not you to. You must imagine when you make the main event final table, if you're not a complete psycho, that you're not going to be back there, right? Like, right. you must imagine this is your one shot, right? right. Unless you're Joe Cata, mm-hmm. who somehow made it twice. Yeah, I mean, but, there's a few guys. Like, yeah. Newhouse did it, right? But yeah. But yes, of course you're right. Um, and to be that close, there's three left. I mean, he's second in chips, and he's really close to Hummel and chips, you know, and... He's, but he's playing this big metagame thing. And like we're saying, I do think it's probably helped him the last 10 years since then. But all the money lost in that one spot of EV may not may have made up for, you know, he may not have made up for that. He probably right. has not made up for that anyway. He yep. still would probably go back in time and not do that play if he could and like lose all the calls he gets ever Absolutely. Since. It's so funny how tournament poker is so like, so moment dependent. There's just these moments like, in a smaller example, like our buddy Mitchell Towner who won the monster stack, like, his Hendon is insane. I mean, he's, he's had caches since then, but at the time that was his only cash on Hendon mob. He had 1.1 million just cause he like played well and then ran super well at the final table of a major tournament. Yeah. And just like these little inflection points just change your life. You well, know, they can, they really can. And I think that was life changing for Chong because if he's a main event champion, he's got a different life. I mean, he flops an ace. Yeah. He's, om- he's the, the main event champion, some really large percentage of the yeah. time, right? Like 80% of the time or something like that. Right. And, uh, yeah, and like we would all remember that he flopped an ace, but ultimately we'd still see him as the champ, just like we see Joe Cotta as the champ. Right. Like he got lucky a lot at the final table, too. Like a lot of the champs get lucky. You yeah. just forget, and they're yeah. the champs, and that's it. Yeah, so like if Chong had won and Duhamel had, and then Chong's girlfriend would have robbed him and beat him up with a bunch of her <sighs> friends. I mean, how often does Joseph Chong just sit around and he's like, how different would my life be right now if I just folded to the five bet yeah it's possible my life is completely different it's possible it's the same you might just go a third right but yeah but usually not right usually not third and sometimes i win and when i win i'm the champion and and my life is legit different yeah like all that money but the fame all the things that come with it it's i mean it's pretty pretty nuts to be that close to it and to and to sort of have elected to blow your, to blow up the hand, as opposed to like most guys in that spot are like playing too tight. So the way they're going to remember it is like, oh, I got a little unlucky here. Yeah. Not like, oh, I did this to myself, which Joseph Chung, I mean, at the time he knew he was doing it too, but still. Lee, Lee Childs. Yeah. Lee Childs did it to himself. Um, well, I mean, but he folded, right? Yeah. So he still had chips. Yeah. But yes, he did. I mean, there's guys, I mean, Lee Watkinson in the, same, in the same thing could say he did it to himself, but he could also say, well, Jerry, Jerry Yang made a ridiculous call and somehow... Had right, out kicked and whatever, um, yeah. But that was at least like seventh and right. Uh, three left, three left. And Chung may have thought at the time and may still think that he was the best player at that table. And it, it's, it's possible quite he was. Possible that he was. It was him and Duhamel were pretty very likely. Good. Either him or Duhamel. Racer is also like no slouch. Obviously, no, he's still around. Yeah, I would say Duhamel and Chong probably a tier above though. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, as sure as one can be without knowing anything at all. Right, without knowing a single thing. <laughs> But let's get to this. Being a, a newborn baby with zero knowledge about any, anything. Gaga. Speaking of newborn babies, this was suggested by Ryan W. Saunders, who seems to be the newborn baby of suggestors for the breakdown. It almost sounds like an insult, but you don't mean it that no, way. No, I mean it like he's a promising rookie. Yeah. He's, uh, he's the only one who suggested this hand so far, and it's a good hand. So good job, Ryan. I mean, as we're recording this, we are still in 2019. I'm not sure. Uh, it will come out in 2020. Okay. So there you go. So, I mean... 
is he going to be one of, he's got to be a, a candidate at least for rookie of the year, right? Well, we don't know yet. And I mean, in, in our current, you know, time existence, not a lot of time as Jonathan and Grant. Yeah. Oh, you mean in 2019 rookie yeah. of the year? I don't know. He it's, he's come on a little late. There's probably some other guys who came on early 2019. I right? mean, this is all it's an inter- eternal question of yeah. you know, how do you reward these things? Of course. But he's coming on pretty hard and pretty strong. He is, and I respect it. I respect it. And I respect that he did the correct job of suggesting the hand by suggesting it on Twitter. That is where we want you to suggest. We do not want you to suggest in the YouTube comments. We don't want you to suggest on Alta Vista. We want you to suggest on our Twitter. Yeah. We are the poker guys on Twitter. When you suggest, please include a YouTube link as Ryan did and timestamp it as Ryan did. Otherwise, we won't see the hand. We're not going to go rooting around a four-hour video to find a hand. As Ryan did. Ryan sort of rooted around he a video. around and found a hand. Well, he was probably watching it, and he's like, oh, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah. We don't know what he did. <laughs> I'm going to guess that's how it went. Maybe. Anyway. Anyway. So, yeah, we got luminaries. We do. Kristen Bicknell, who last year, I guess, was like in the top 10 GPI. Is that right? Something like that. I don't have it in front of me, but she was certainly uh, haunting the top 10 GPI. She haunting wasn't actually it. in the top yeah. 10 GPI. And, uh, you know, this is a pretty relatively low buy-in by her standards. We see her playing, you know, 100Ks yeah. every once in a while. And this is a 3,300 Canadian buy-in, so it's basically like $50 US. Yeah, it's basically like a piece of cheese yeah. and uh, some crackers. Sounds good. Like you eating that? No, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go buy a tournament with the WPT Montreal <laughs> main event. <laughs> yeah, this is. It is actually notable. The, the um, first place is is just five hundred thousand dollars, which is uh, sorry, three hundred eighty thousand. I, I was. I think it probably is about five hundred thousand US. Three hundred Canadian. Wow. Five hundred thousand Canadian. Sorry, it's three hundred. Yes, it's three hundred eighty thousand US. My mistake. That's for these guys. That is a really small amount for a first place prize. You know, to be sure. fighting for. But here we are. They're doing it. So whatever. And what are the other payouts that we got? They have since there are five players left. They have all locked up one hundred and six thousand um, dollars. The money jumps are not super significant, really, till you get to the end. Uh, fourth place is one hundred thirty-seven thousand dollars. So it's a thirty-one k jump. That's I meaningless mean, to, to these two players. That sounds good to me. Um, yeah, me too. Mike Watson. Uh, sorry, Mike Watson's. Uh, that's not important. He's at the table. From fourth to third, it's another forty-two thousand dollar jump. From third to second, it's an eighty thousand dollar jump, and finally one hundred twenty-five k from second to first. So they go up slowly. I think you just play your normal game and not really be caught up in that. You should be playing for first. Yeah, you know, and certainly not be worrying about if you can ladder up one or two spots unless you are not one of these people. Right. All right. So five remaining. Yeah, as Jonathan said. Bicknell's in the small blind. Chong is in the big blind. It folds to Bicknell. It's one of those strange blind levels that's kind of come up recently with the big blind Annie. It's 100K, 150K, and that's yeah. so that they don't have to do 160K and keep on 5K chips, right. which makes plenty of sense. Um, but it makes it so that she's going to complete a lot more. If she wasn't going to complete 100% anyway, she's now going to at least complete with probably 100% of hands. She's probably completing 100% anyway because that's what all the great players are doing now. True. So, But, but yes, it certainly is like... I guess you could have seven deuce off and decide to throw it away. I mean, there's almost nothing you should really even consider throwing away here. I mean, you're getting an... In fact, maybe you have to call seven deuce off. Do you have to call seven deuce off? We're going to be out of position against a good player. I mean, it's 50K to win 400K. We're getting an immediate eight to one. It's, if he raises us, we can just fold. Yeah. Obviously. Um, I think we're supposed to see a flop with everything. Getting, getting eight to one. Probably. Even though we're out of position against a great player. You could decide we're out of position against a great player. I'm only going to play. I'm not going to play the absolute worst of the worst, though. Yeah, like, you can definitely decide It would be that. fine to do that, right? Yes. Because, yeah, I think that's fine. But you're still going to play, what, 90% of hands? At least, yeah. yeah. 
Well, she's got a hand that she would have played even if it was half. The ante was half. It's 9-5 with diamonds. You plant on a flag. I love it. Flag planter. That's me. 9-5 with diamonds. Obviously going to play it. She limps it. Mm-hmm. Seems like we don't see too many small to big raises these days. No, these guys, when it's good player against good player, it seems like they're pretty much exclusively completing and sort of daring the other player to raise. It's like, one of those things like it's just a trend probably, right? There's like maybe there's some sort of theory behind it that makes sense right now, but the theory behind three and a half Xing made plenty of sense in yeah. 2002, and the theory behind min raising made tons of sense in 2010, and like everything changes over time. And so like we we don't expect to see this forever, but no. for the past year or so, we've been seeing a lot of this. The great players are doing that for yeah. sure and, and at the, against each other. Right. I'm sure that I would be really surprised if Kristen Bicknell is necessarily doing this against the world. Right. Right. Against like, I mean, amateurs obviously like Jonathan and I, most of the tournaments we play, we get the, the opportunity and the privilege to play against players who are predicti- not, predictable and not so good yeah. for like the majority of our tables. Not, all, not every player at every table, but you know, it's unfortunate if you get a really tough player on your left, right? Yeah. So like you find the players who are in the big blind who are going to be the fuck you players. You never raise the big blind without having a hand because they're Mm -hmm. like, no, fuck you. I win the blind versus blind every time. And there's the players who are just like going to defend with like an under the gun opening range only like, and you can just raise with everything and they're not going to defend unless they have at least like Jack 10 suited. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And especially as the, as the tournament gets later and later, that that range gets tighter and tighter. And it's so much easier to play against those players, man. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Anyway, that's not the, that's not what Kristen Bicknell is going on. She's against Joseph Chong. And if he's not in the top tier of players in the world, he's, he's, you know, sniffing it. He's around there. Sure. Yeah. He might be haunting the ghosts that haunt the top 10. You yeah. Know? If Kristen Bignell is haunting the top 10, he, maybe he's haunting her. But he's, in, he's somewhere in there. He's haunting somebody. Yeah. Somebody's a little bit freaked he, out. No one's psyched to see him at the table unless it's like, you know, the Arias 300K final table. And it's like, well, it's Schindler. It's Vogel saying yeah. everyone's true elite. And then it's Joseph Chong. And yeah. He is the fish at the table. Right. But that's about it. It's a pretty rare event. Yeah. Chong is in the big blind. He's got a big stack. He's got 10.3 million. Mm-hmm. 150K big blind. Yeah. He's going to check back with Jack four offsuit. Jack of clubs four of spades. Seems reasonable. Sure. I mean, it absolutely does. I know everyone's checking all these hands back. I think it's reasonable to do so. I know a player like Bicknell is going to have um, a re-raising range and a calling range here and all that. I still wonder, well, as we see all these players just complete like almost their entire range, if not their entire range now, if raising isn't just going to be wildly profitable. And yeah. I wonder if we're going to see some of the pros start to do that from the big blind specifically more. Yeah, I agree. And probably like four xing it or something and just yep. like really putting the pressure At on. At least three and a half. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I'm sure it's a sample size thing. I mean, sure is too strong of a word, but it feels very much like a sample size thing. But every hand we've done blind versus blind and the player limps, we always qualify it with, well, of course, they're going to have to limp aces sometimes, too. Of course. But we've never yet seen in a breakdown hand a good player limping a good hand from the small blind. We've that only only seen them limping shit. Like, but, but I'm sure they're also limping the good hands. Yeah. So, I mean, when you say sure, I mean, right, we can't no, no, but it feels, it would be almost impossible to imagine that Big Nell would limp 9-5 at diamonds and not be limping aces. Right. right. The era of being wildly unbalanced seems like it's probably gone. Like, yes. one of the more, it's not recent in poker because poker moves quickly, but like chronologically, one of the more recent trends that was occurring was maybe three years ago. 
a lot of the great players when there was like a 20 blind effective stack would be limping the button with their medium strength yes, hands and they right. were wildly unbalanced. Yeah. It was always medium strength hands. King nine off. Yeah. Stuff yeah. Like hands that. like that, like hands that you were supposed to open on the button, but now with a competent player with a 20 blind stack, who's going to reshove too much. You want to limp because you know, you're going to get blown yeah. off the hand and yeah, they weren't limping aces, they right? Only limping hands. So then they would fold to raises or shoves anyway. Yeah. And like eventually everyone figured that out in, in a way that play went like right. Went Cause it's only like a one blind difference anyway. You might as well pick up the pot anyway. If you have ace deuce in the For small blind, sure. you might as well make it four and a half X and just yeah. take it. Yeah. Or shove if, if you were going to shove yeah. to an open anyway. Yeah. Like, who cares? Um, so, yeah, I don't think that wild unbalance is happening here. However, from our sample size, is wildly unbalanced towards shit hands. <laughs> I mean, we just happen to be seeing that. But I think the point is, like, how often is someone like even Kristen Bignell going to be able to continue if she's limping? I mean, she's just going to have to have to have a lot of three-bet bluffs, I guess. Otherwise, I don't know how right. to properly that's, defend That's been my this. thing with this whole thing the whole time is, like, there's... Over 1,300 combos in the deck, you can't have that many combos of limp re-raises. And if you're limping literally all 1,300 plus of them, you have so many folds. It seems like uh, just, just close your eyes and raise out of the big blind has to be chippy v po- profitable. It has Agreed. to be. I mean, I really think you're right. And like, let's say this hand exactly. So Kristen Bignell has a reasonable hand, 9-5 of diamonds. Let's say Chong makes it 550K. Is she going to call out of position? She with, can't with 4.1 exactly. million stack. She she's can't. just going to, and she's not re-raising. She's no. going to throw it away, right? So, like, if she's throwing away this hand, which is like a reasonable hand to play, like a hand that would have called the raise from the big blind and things. This like adjustment that. is going to happen, right? I I think it's going to happen soon. Yeah, it has to because it feels like this isn't going to work for any period of time. This right. is this is this is too exploitable. Yeah, exploit. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, there's just too many combos of bad hands because it's not just reasonable hands like nine five of diamonds the other hands we've seen done are six deuce off right. and and seven four off and hands like that if big like, is folding 25 percent of hands limping and limping the, the other 75 percent and then she can limp re-raise with let's say 25 a third of that a yeah third, then that can work but if she's if she's calling 100 percent and she's limp re-raising with 25 percent now she's losing money to be fair we don't know if that's what big is doing because making that up. nine five of diamonds probably fits in the top 75 percent of hands 75%, but probably not the top 25%. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, Maybe what, she's folding seven deuce. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, we don't know if that's what she's doing, but we know that that's what Manny Gloser was doing when right. he limped six deuce off against Ryan Reese. But we also don't know if someone's really going to limp re-raise. In this case, it would be probably near all in, effectively all in, yeah. um, with the top 25%, because that can get a that's little janky, man. Yeah. Like, that's like jack 10 off suit and stuff, I yeah. think. Like, I mean, if you're doing that, like, that's not super great. You don't like, there's a lot of hands that you'd actually really want to call with and not limp re-raise. So in practice, I don't know. I mean, some of these guys and Kristen Bignell, uh, I said guys, but you know, people, players, uh, are, uh, are just going to like follow the math and not worry about it. And they're like, Jack 10 part of my three yeah. shoving range. So it is. And whatever. Um, but a lot of players aren't going to really follow that. They're going to be more, I think a little slightly more practical and try and be exploitative in the moment and also protect their stack in the moment and be situational. Right. Yeah. And so again, another reason for the big blind to be raising when this completion happens, I have, I have a prediction. Go. In the evolution of this blind versus blind play, which is one of the most interesting things in Nolan and Holden, blind versus blind play in tournaments, sure. especially deep in tournaments. I think one of the steps in the future evolution of this, probably relatively soon, is the small blind making it five plus X. Wow. I think it's going to be like five to 5.5 5 X is going to become like a thing that the small blind does. That's so much. I mean, I've been doing I've been doing four X from out of position yeah. from small blind. And that has worked. Now, I'm not up against Kristen Bicknell, right. like you were saying. Um, that works unbelievably well. Forex sure. is just a, a magical, easy fold number. 
Right. I think I think the good players are going to be calling four X too much, yeah. and it's going to become five to five point five X. It's going to become a thing that happens with relative oh, frequency. Man. It's going to be weird because you're like, I really need this to work a lot when it's because they're because we're also almost never going to get a call when I make it five point five X. Yeah. Right. It's like I'm getting three bet or folds. Right. Kind of only. So it gets weird. I see it happening. I don't know. I don't think it's going to get that big. I I, I predict something different. I think what we're going to see is. We're going to start to see raises out of both these blinds, both blind positions a lot more because because of all the the evolution of this and the iterated nature of this game. Means so then that it's going to be the big blind is going to start raising and it's going to make the small blind for, so it's force the small blind to play differently. Back to the dick swing in 2010 times There's, when it was like always the small blind raise and always the big blind three bet. Like um, I think that we are going to there'll probably be an era where that happens a little bit. I think there'll be then. I think we're also just going to see a lot more three betting from the small blind instead of limp calling. Like it's possible at some point the small blind be like, I'm going to call with very little of my range here. I'm just going to punish you. If, if you're going to raise a lot, I'm going to punish you by three betting a lot. Like because that's what you don't want, right? From yeah. The, like if you raise from the big blind, like no one wants to be raised unless they absolutely have it. It's hard to absolutely have it. So I'm just going to punish you like crazy until you stop. So that's my guess rather than a 5.5x. We'll find out. I guess we will eventually. Anyway. Hopefully. So here we are. We're still pre-flop. Still pre-flop. <laughs> Chong has checked back the jack four offsuit. Yes. Bicknell has limped the 9.5 of diamonds, and yet we had a lot to say. Which we did. I think is fine. Oh, it was great. We have a lot to say a lot, and that's why we wrote it down. We wrote it down in a book. It's called How Can He Fold? How Can He Fold? How Can He Fold? How Can He Fold? Incredible poker hands broken down decision by decision, and that is exactly what it is. We take incredible tournament hands. It's 100% tournament hands. Yep. And we have a conversational back and forth in text form with you know visual graphics for the hands to help you along. It's a really fun book. We took about a year writing it. We put a lot of work into it analytically as far as like the, the writing and how it looks is concerned. We think it's really good. It's two to five page bite-sized chapters. They're really fun to read, starting with the least complex hands, although there's still something to be gained up until the very complex hands at the end of the book. And you, so we kind of ramp up over time. You can get increased complexity as you go. Mm-hmm. By the end, uh, if you don't have to read the hand twice, you're very powerful. Like It's tough. Like We have to read the hand twice yeah. by the end. And at the beginning, it's like, oh, man, that guy really fucked up, didn't he? <laughs> but there's something to be gained <laughs> from it anyway. Yeah. Um, we really like it. We call it a poker book you'll actually read because we also have a lot of fun with it. It's, there's jokes. It's enjoyable banter. You can get it at our website. It's uh, in the link in the description here of the this poker here podcast. Dot, PokerGuys.net. Yep. That'll have access to the ebook where you can get it right there on the website. Or you can click the link to go to Amazon and buy the paperback book. Which, you know, wonderful to hold in your hands. It is. Smell the paper. It's yeah. beautiful. It's, I prefer the paperback personally. I do too. It's, it's wonderful and beautiful and you should get it. And you should review it on Amazon once you do because that'll help us and it'll make it more likely that we'll write another one. Yep. And just so you guys know, also, uh, if you read Card Player magazine at all, uh, you may have noticed by now it's possible that uh, some of the excerpts from the book have made it into Card Player magazine. I think there's going to be at least five issues of Card Player where they're going to do small excerpts from the book. Just small. Um, but little bits here and there. And so uh, just another sign that the book is quality. Card players giving it their stamp of the approval. The book is also quantity. Yes, that's right. That's, we don't just do one or the other. We do both. Yeah, it's quantily quality. Yep, that's what, that's what we all say. Yeah. Anyway, please check it out. Buy the book, you bastards. And, you know, um, Christmas may be over, but it still makes a great gift for yourself. Yeah, how about, do you poker- have the early year blues? How about yeah. cheering yourself up with a nice Poker Guys book? Hey, did you fuck up on your resolutions already? Great news. You can buy yourself a wonderful poker book. Yeah, that'll yeah. make you feel better. Yeah, 
you person who didn't exercise today. <laughs> it's okay. You're, I know you were supposed to exercise. It's fine. Instead, read have a, book. a hot dog. Read some poker. It's the poker instructional book that reads like a novel. That's not true. Okay, it doesn't. But it's fun to read. It's quick. You're going to blow through it. Anyway, moving on. All right. Let's try not that new catchphrase, but it was a lie. All right. It, it was a lie. Catchphrases can be lies, though. Like, can you smell what The Rock is cooking? He has never once cooked anything while saying that in a wrestling ring. Think about that for but a second. He, he didn't say, can you smell what The Rock is cooking right now? He just said, can you smell what The Rock is cooking? But is cooking implies right now, does yeah. it not? Well, no, no, no. But he could be cooking something like in the, in the locker room. Oh, like room. a slow cooker. I mean, there's lots of things. He could just be leaving the stove on from anywhere and have food on there. And he's like, can you smell what The Rock is cooking? And, be, and by the way, if you can, there's probably a fire. He's, <laughs> he's probably, probably fire. using some extremely strong like Cajun-style spices or something <laughs> if you can smell it from all the way in the wrestling yeah. ring. Yeah. Sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on. Moving on. All right. We got nine five of diamonds for Big Nell in the small blind. She is the effective stack with about four million in chips at the 150K big blind level. Joseph Chong in the big blind with Jack Four offsuit. Pots 450K. Here we go. Flop is the four of hearts, the eight of hearts, and the six of clubs. Big Nell flops a gut shot. Chong flops bottom pair. Yep. This board is clearly all over both of their ranges. Either of them could have the nuts. Yes. It's unlikely that. Chong has a set. I guess Bicknell is probably more likely to have a set if she's actually limping 100%. Right. We're not sure she's limping 100%, but... We're not, but it seems likely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think she's the one who's got the sets, if anyone does. But, I mean, whatever. And they both have all the two-pair combos. Yep. They got the straights. They got everything. So there's, like, nothing to analyze. Why are we doing this hand? It's like, know. yeah, anybody can have anything. Yeah, poker guys. <laughs> who cares? Buy the book. Bah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what happens. All right. So, so Big Nell decides to come out betting. She's going to bet 175K. I don't think I, think I can find fault in this. It's She's fine. got an overcard and a gut shot. Sure. And she can wrap hands, and Joseph Chong has plenty of hands that are like King Deuce that he just folds, yeah. you know? Absolutely. So, cool. Totally cool. Chong with bottom pair can't fold yet. Not yet. Got to call once. All right. So, he calls. Fine. Flop was boring. I'm sorry, guys. It's okay. You don't have to apologize. I'm really sorry. The turn is the queen of spades. Okay. So now we got four of hearts, eight of hearts, six of clubs, queen of spades. Here's the big question. Should Kristen Bicknell continue betting? Mm. Well, I guess the question is really, does she hope to continue in this hand? Because if she checks, she's effectively giving up, right? Like she's mostly giving up. I guess she could check raise sometimes and it'll go check, check once in a while too. But if it does, Joseph is usually... Uh, Checking to call the river, right? If yeah. He checks the turn. So we, we're kind of giving up either way. Um, so if she thinks his range is sort of weak, he did not raise the flop. That's good. Yeah. It is sort of a wet board, right? Like there's two hearts. There's, it's sort of connected and stuff like that. Uh, I think she should probably continue. She I could have so. hit that queen also, and he, she now rates to have more queens than he does. That's true. And like you said, he didn't raise, and he absolutely could have a four or a six that yeah. he will consider folding. I don't think he'll ever fold an eight. I mean, everything depends on sizing, of course, but sure. I don't think we should be ever targeting an eight to fold on the turn. That sounds insane. Well, she does size it in such a way because she does bet that maybe okay. she is saying, hey, your eight is no good because mm -hmm. she bets 725 into 800 now. That is a huge bet. So... The thing that works for this bet, the two things that are really cool in my mind are it's putting a lot of pressure on what it looks like Chong has, which is like a weak one pair hand. Yeah. And she can absolutely have anything. She can have four, six. She can have four, eight. She can have queen, four, queen, eight, queen, six, six, eight, five, seven. 
She can have all these hands. She's also going to fold out all the draws because she made it cheap enough on the flop. Yeah. That he could, he absolutely could just call with the draw. Like King 70, he could call with on the flop. Yeah. The gut shots and even hearts. He's not going to always raise his hearts in the spot by any means. I think he's going to call with a lot of his hearts. Right. Um, So, but now she's just going to blow him off pretty much all those hands, unless he has the queen of hearts in his hand or something like that. Or, Or like... She is queen seven or queen five or something like that. Sure. But um, otherwise, I mean, this is going to work a lot. When she sizes it this way, I really like the bet way more than betting smaller where you're going to get called by an eight and often a six. Um, now it's really hard for those. Like this is like you're saying, this is tough for an eight. This is not easy at all, let alone a four. And as it so happens, yeah, Chong just has a four. So this should probably end things most of the time. I would assume it would be over. If I was in Chong's shoes, I would have called the flop and I'd be like, I am out. Goodbye. But Chong calls. Yeah. So what's up with Joseph Chong calling here with what race to be the second worst type of hand he shows up with after the gut shots? Okay. Um, well, he... Thinks when now that she's sizing so big, he thinks she's polarizing herself into like, like she doesn't think he, she has an he doesn't think she has an eight very often. I think when when she she's, bets like this, right? Well, she could probably have ace eight or king eight. I would, would think she bet this big. She might because when Chong doesn't raise the flop, like he has to have paired the queen with queen six or queen four a lot of the time if she has an eight. For him to now be beating her. Sure, but how is she supposed to get value with it? Yeah, like, that's fair. Even if she wants to charge the draws, she doesn't have to charge the draws this much to get them to fold. Even so, she has enough combos of value. Like I mean, She has six, 16 combos of 5-7. Mm-hmm. She has 9 combos of 4-8, 9 combos of 8-6, 9 combos of 4-6. She has 9 combos of queen-4, queen-8, and queen-6. Mm-hmm. She has 3 combos of all of the sets. Yep. Including queens, probably. Probably including queens. That's a ton of combos. That is a ton of value. And uh, if she would bet those, that makes a whole lot more sense to bet those at this sizing than like eights. Right, so I don't think she needs to have the eights because she has so many combos of value already. Good, good. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think she should be betting an eight like this. So maybe Chong's thought is, well, that's a lot of combos, but there's a lot more combos of gut shots even alone than that. So that makes it so I can call. But of course, she has to play them all yeah. this way, which is unlikely. She's That's true. Play. She's, she's a, playing this one this way. But she's, she's a lot more likely to play those, those good hands this way than the gut shots. I would think so, right? But, I mean, my first thought when I was watching this hand and I saw the turn was like, she has to bet. So maybe she is playing all the gut shots this way because you'd expect her to bet the gut shots on the flop, right? Uh, yeah, or check raise. And like, how can you not bet the turn? I, we, I mean, we, we all decided before, yeah. like we said, I, I said I thought she should bet the turn for sure. I'm just surprised she went with this level of sizing. I would have thought she would have bet like 460K, not 725. She's really trying to yeah. get rid of those eights. She's really trying to win right freaking now. Um, by the way, uh, she may also, just, just to note this, so she's got this gutter. One thing that is also working her favor slightly is if a seven were to come, she actually has the second nuts instead of the third nuts because she's got the nine to go with the five. So if her and Joe, if Joe actually was calling with a gut shot on the flop, he wouldn't be calling with just a gutter, of course, on the turn. Right. But, um, but if the seven were to come in, she sometimes has him trapped with a worse straight, which is kind of a cool deal. I guess that's it's nice. only going to matter when, she's got, uh, when he's got a pair with yeah. it or a flush draw with it here, though. Not to mention her flush draws, which are bluffs as well, by the way. Correct. Correct. So I guess Chong just decides that if she's going to take this line... With a bunch of gut shots and flush draws, it's like combinatorially massive. And he still has to call with this made hand. I mean, I guess he's just thinking he's calling the flop with so much stuff. Yeah. Right? 
that even if he's dropping a bunch, of, he's dropping all his gutters, which he is. He's, he's going to be forced to drop a bunch of his flush draws now too. He's probably got some two overcard type hands like Jack Ten, Ace X, yeah, stuff like that, which he has to drop. And so when he thinks about all those things he has to drop, Jack Four is still in the call range if he's trying to um, not be exploited by her, right? Because he's got to defend a fair amount of the time, like seventy percent of the time here when she's betting almost pot. Yeah. So if you're playing sort of mathematically correctly, you, I guess you're supposed to call with this. I would situationally just fold and stay out of trouble. Me but too, but Joseph Chong ain't about that, as nope. we saw in the main event That's when right. he six-bet shoved with That's ace-seven right. offsuit. So he calls. I, I guess I kind of get it if you really believe that Bicknell's going to take all of her semi-bluffs and continue this line with them. I mean, if she was barreling, like, even if she was barreling like crazy all the time, I would probably personally just be like, I can find such a better spot than this to call her down. We're five-handed. We're going to play blind versus blind a lot. I'm going to be in a better spot than, like, I have to call this huge bet on the turn, and a lot of time, even when I'm winning, I end up losing it by the river because there's so many bad cards, or it's going to be easy to bluff me off. Well, dudes like Joseph Chong don't worry about the better spot. Dudes like Joseph Chong are the guy that you see in level four of a tournament that you're also in, and you're like, how the fuck does he have that many chips? It's because he does not wait for the better spots. A lot of the time, he's out, but a lot of the time, he has that many fucking chips because he's like, this is a spot. Yeah. It's a spot. I'd take the spot. Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, he's taking this spot and he's correct. He's winning. Yep. It's awesome. What else or is awesome? Lucky. You know what else is awesome? What else is awesome is Nitrogen. Yeah. Sports Poker Room. Whoa. Welcome, everyone. This is like a creepy Willy Wonka <laughs> you type have thing. Come to a place where you will be happy forever. Why are the lights getting dimmer in this room? <laughs> Just close your eyes. <laughs> you will dream a long dream and then die forever. Nitrogen. Anyway, that's a great pitch. Um, <laughs> die wonderfully at Nitrogen Sports Poker. That was like, uh, this is not a very popular show, but there's a show called Unbecoming a God in Central Florida. Yeah. And do you, do you watch the whole thing? No, I've watched like half of it. Okay. Well, there's a part where the main character meets a guy who makes exit music for people, which is music they're supposed to die to. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. So that's, that's what just happened for all of you. Jonathan gave you your exit music. Yeah. I hope you you can just go ahead and pull that off and you'll have it and just, you know, so you can hit play as soon as you're going. Yeah. So as you're passing on transitioning. Right. Anyway, before you do pass on, Maybe you should play a little poker on, <laughs> on Nitrogen Sports Poker Room. And the way you should do that is by using the link in the description when you sign up because that's the way you get the access to the best tournament in online poker as far as expected value is concerned. I'm going to say it. I might be wrong, but it's pretty close to a guarantee. Like, it's tough for it not to be the best value. The best iterated value, for yeah. sure. Like, maybe once in a while there's a better one, but this is every month. There's no way anyone can match what we give you at the Poker Guys link-only tournament. Link Invitational? Link Invitational Tournament Golf Extravaganza. (laughs) Uh, The tournament in which it happens the last Sunday of every month and in which uh, there are 1,000 buy-ins guaranteed. We never really get more than 120 players, meaning the overlay is massive. It's well over 50% of the field. It's like over 80% of the field. Like, what the fuck? It's crazy. Use the link. Get in there. Get you some poker. It's an insane deal. Just do it. Just do it, you dumb plunge. You dumb Pull the bandaid off. Yeah. Die. <laughs> You've been provided with exit music by <laughs> Jonathan Levy. Yeah. And nitrogen. They're, they're, they're part of this. Right. <laughs> but I also want you to die peacefully. All right. So <laughs> we have 
Now, two point two five million in the pot. Okay. Nell started with four point one million in her stack. She's got like three three million now, right? 3. Yeah, so, 1. something like that. Yeah. She has nine five of diamonds on a four of hearts, eight of hearts, six of clubs, flop, queen of spades turn. She bet almost pot on the turn. Justice Chong has been calling her down with bottom pair jack kicker. The river is the five of clubs. She's now in the lead. Okay. Fantastic for Kristen. Well, that's nice to be winning. She decides we think that it's not good enough yeah. and decides to bet. We don't think of this course. is a a value bet to get called by a four. She decides to bet and she bets about a little more than half pot. I don't see how in the world this could be a value bet. Yeah, 1.2 million she bets. I mean, look at the board. The board is now four, five, six, eight queen. Right. Like she's trying to fold out a six or an eight at least. This I is, mean, a six or an eight. This is clearly designed to fold out a six or an eight. Yeah, yeah. Those, are, those are the hands that she's targeting. With the sizing she's choosing. And I think she's also choosing a sizing where she can fold if Joseph somehow made a straight. She had like a pair of straight drawn and he made the straight. Right? Yeah. Yeah. She still leaves herself a reasonable, well, not a lot of chips, but more than 10 blinds. Right. She can still have fold equity preflop in the future. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I think it's reasonable to try to fold out those hands. It seems like most Joseph's most likely holdings are a six or an eight, right? Um, absolutely. And um, I like the sizing because it looks like she's going for a regular value instead of polarizing value, even though she already did that on the turn. But now she's more like, it's more like a normal size bet. All right. So what is she repping? I mean, she's still repping straights, right? She's repping. I guess she could have two pair. She's repping a seven for a straight. Yeah. Or I like she'd probably still bet queen four, queen six, queen eight, right? Just like bet fold them, or do you think she would check those? I am not sure. She might because um because one of the draws came in and the other big draw missed, and it's a scary board. She might check to let Joseph take a shot. Yeah. If you I don't a, know if she's really betting, but two he's pair. very likely to have raised a heart draw along the way, right? Not on the turn when she bets so much. On the flop though, the flop is the well, but. Maybe he, not. Sometimes, but certainly not anywhere close to always. Yeah. You know? Like maybe half the time. Yeah. But on the turn, he can't really call with a heart draw on the turn, actually. She bet too much. So he needs to have a pair and a heart draw, a straight and a heart draw, which he probably would have raised. Yeah. Um, so actually, I don't know if there really are heart draws around. So with that in mind, now we're back down to he mostly has, she, he pretty much just has made hands, right? Yeah. So now, now we should bet for value and folds if he raises, because he has a lot of straights. He does. If he raises, because we can have the straights. Right. Okay. But as it stands, she's betting as a bluff to try to get a six or an eight to fold. So I guess I guess I like this bet after all. I've come back around, and I think she, I think she can have two pair. Okay, you agree? Yeah, cool. But she doesn't. But the thing is, she has a better hand than Joseph Chong. Yeah. Although she's bluffing. Yes. Yeah, Joseph Chong is sitting there considering bluff catching. Yes. My first thought is, what the hell are you even thinking about? One of the gut shots got there, and if she had the other gut shot and is bluffing with it, that has you beat. Well, sure. What he's thinking about as he's considering whether he should call or not, because he obviously does not immediately fold, is one thing that didn't come in is hearts. Yeah. Bruh. And he gave you a sick old look, too. 9-10 didn't come in. Bruh. 9-10, by the way, turned to double gutter. Yeah. Um, that's it. Those are the things. Hearts, which Kristen can have and Joseph can't. He doesn't have any hearts in his hand. Um, so that's good. Uh, he doesn't block nine ten, but she, which is a hand she really might continue with. Um, yeah, big on the turn. I don't know, man. That's all I got. I would have, I would have followed the turn. I would fold the river. I wouldn't really think much. I about mean, it. at this point, distribution obviously demands a fold, right? Well, we were saying before, like Jack four, the math probably demands that you call if you're really following the math very closely. But it's the bottom of the yeah. hands, right? I mean, are we saying, oh, gosh, I have so many fours here? You don't. No. You just don't. Um, 
You have a lot of eights and a lot of sixes. Yeah. You have some fours too. So you can throw away the fours and call with the eights and sixes if you want. If you want to call with any of these. By the way, you should have some queens here because you can have queen X of hearts as Joseph sometimes, right? Yeah. Or queen um, five or queen seven. Yeah. Those are all, there's a lot of hands you have that are better than this. You have some slow plays. Like you may have flopped the nuts, called on the flop, and now when she sizes big on the turn, you're like, you know what? I'm going to let her fire again on the river, and yeah. then I'm going to raise just in case. Like, why? What do I care? Like, let's let's give her a chance to like bluff it off. It's Kristen Bicknell. This is a cool thing, actually, that we very rarely see because we talk about distribution in almost every hand that we do, and we always qualify it with, well, of course, against the range, it's the same thing, but you just have to make a distribution-based decision. In this case, the distribution actually has practical application where if yeah. you use distribution to fold your fours and call with your sixes, that actually matters as far as whether or not you win. It's because crazy. she has a five. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. It is absolutely. It's nuts. rare to find that. Yeah. I mean, we really think, I really think, uh, I should say, that she's bluffing here and she's targeting specifically sixes and eights. And it doesn't really occur to her that she's going to, that he would have a four, that he would call with a four if he somehow did have a four. Right. right? She's like, really like, I guess there's the just in case it all works out and we hit the parlay perfectly, but that's not what's going on, right? She's right. like, please, God, fold your eight, especially your six. Let's go. Let me win this pot. Ultimately, I think when Chong calls the turn, he has the plan to call some rivers if she continues. Mm-hmm. I don't think this should be one of the rivers. Right. I think it should be more innocuous rivers that don't really coordinate with the board at all. Yeah. Like non-hard, non-straightening rivers seem like the only potential considerations for a call. Yeah. I wonder if instead of having 9-5, if she had 9-7 and a 7 came on the river, so she still like made one pair. Yeah. Um, but now she beat sixes if she would feel the need to bet. That's here. interesting. I don't think she would. It's po- maybe not because it's possible that Chong raises some eights on the flop because of her stack size. Mm-hmm. Like she's short enough Possibly. that he just like is like, this is a wet board. Maybe yeah. I just raise an eight. I mean, dangerous when yeah. both of them can have so much of it. But yeah, still possibly. But even so, she may think like, all right, I lose about half the range, you know, or so. Not even half the range. But like if I check and he bets. I'm going to be able to bluff catch sometimes with miss some weird misses that he has. I'm going to lose sometimes to queens and eights, and uh, that's it. Like, cool. I, I think she probably checks if she hits the seven, and she has Maybe seven, so. Which is kind of wacky. But again, going back to the distribution yeah. argument of, like, distribution can really bail you out sometimes in these bluff-catching spots, right? But that's not really what it's for. But It's absolutely not for that. But, you know, it's kind of a neat little bonus. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes I've certainly called with bluff catchers and lost two bluffs and it sucks more than anything. You know? Oh, yeah. That's the worst feeling. It is really you feel beyond dumb. Right. <laughs> to do that. <laughs> so anyway, like, can you find a reason for Chong to call with Jack four? Because I can't really. I mean, I don't have any good reasons. Hearts didn't come in is not really good enough in my mind. I mean, that's got to be a huge part of it. The board got the board got really scary, and she still bet. So now he thinks like, well, she's not going to bet a queen anymore. She's not going to bet an eight anymore. I guess, yeah. Um, he, th- he thinks he can eliminate a bunch of You wouldn't of really hands. expect her to bet an eight on the turn anyway. Nope. You wouldn't. It's, it's pro- the sizing that she chose. Yeah, yeah. It's like a queen or better um, or the hearts. But she... So he can remove now. She's not really betting a queen. She still could be betting hearts she's probably he maybe he thinks she isn't going to bet some of the two pair maybe and if he can eliminate some of that now it's like well it's straights if she if he thinks it's a seven or nothing then maybe it makes sense well now that that feels like it does right yeah. because uh but i don't know why you would think that necessarily I like agree. that seems just like a really big assumption that you shouldn't make yeah really big and we don't block any of the things we really want to block i mean i guess we don't block the heart draw which is good but we also don't block like 
a, we don't have a five or a seven in our hand. Right. I mean, if we had a seven in our hand, I guess that'd be pretty great. <laughs> but like having a five at least blocks the nuts. And because you know, that story then like, you know, then she, then the turn bet doesn't make any sense if we block the nuts a little bit. But. Yeah. Oh, so, so Chong calls. Yep. He calls. Yikes. I don't know about that one, Joseph. Seems a bit wrong to me. I mean, maybe there's a math base. Maybe if we like go deep enough into the math, we can we can justify it. I don't think we can. I think this is probably a mistake. I think, I think Kristen, the turn bet is is sketchy at best to call. The river bet feels like. I think Kristen Bicknell is surprised when she turns the hand over and actually wins. Oh yeah, after getting called. I mean, she turns the hand over and he starts making the face, yeah. and she realizes pretty quickly what's happened. Yeah, and he gets to feel the way we feel when we bluff catch in or wrong. Yep. By, and, but wrong in the worst way. It's one thing if you're, there's the three, there's the three versions of bluff catching, three, three outcomes when you bluff catch and lose. One, they have a super strong hand. And you're like, well, I guess I didn't get that one right. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Um, they're, they're going for thin value and you bluff catch. And you're like, damn it, I thought they were more polarized than this. This was a bad plan to bluff catch. Right. right. Like, that's just not good if they're betting this many hands. Like, yeah. I'm screwed up. And then this one is like, well, they're polarized, but I can't even beat the bad side of it, which means what the hell, man. I mean, that does, like, a raise would have worked. Everything would have worked. <laughs> this is the only bad outcome, you know. Sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But at least they're polarized. Like, when, when they have a super strong hand or they have this, at least they're polarized, and you're, like, in the right ballpark. When, they, when she's betting, you know, an, a bad queen for value on the river and you call, you feel like, oh, man, I, I totally just got screwed this owned. up. Yeah, like, yeah. this is bad. Like, really, really bad. Anyway, how did they end up? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked, actually, Grant. Uh, Chris and Bignell finished fifth. In this oh, really? Event. Scott Even fifth though, despite this yep. nice little boost. So she, uh, she got a little boost, but she still finished with $106,000. Joe Chung finished third for $179,000. Sir Watts finished fourth, by the way, in between them. Two guys I never heard of finished first and second. Uh, Aded Apo Ajayi finished second, and Jeffrey Hum finished first. All but right. they're Canadians, so... You can't take Music them too seriously. No, you can't. And all that. I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe. We still have time to make it home.